Um, and thank you for your generosity. Uh, the, 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 this church and uh, the churches that Grace Bible has been affiliated with, uh, it's just been an amazing miracle to see the outpouring of generosity from, from everyone. Uh, and we did do that first round of 600 families that we gave $500 each to each family. But um, since then, uh, you know, God has blessed us even more, and we're going to do a, another round of of giving, and this round will be even bigger than the one before. So uh, God has really just, as we've stepped out in faith, and I remember in the beginning when we just started um, rallying and taking supplies out to the first responders and then out to Lahaina, uh, being escorted by the police, that um, we're, at that, that time that was, that was happening, um, there's all these people on Instagram that were raising millions of dollars, and I was like, we have no time to get on Instagram or to do any kind of social media. We're like working 16 hours a day, 12 to 16 hours a day. And then I felt like God just put a piece in my heart. And he said, if you do what you're supposed to do, if your church does what it's supposed to do, the money will make it to you. And, and that's exactly what happened. And it's interesting that the, the people that were raising money on Instagram, they're the exact ones that are giving us that money. It's so amazing to see that. And the word that God put in my heart, do what you're supposed to do and don't worry about anything else. Like we're seeing that, um, the fruit of that take place. So thank you for all of your help and thank you for everybody who volunteered in the, the, the first couple of days and the first couple of weeks of this. Um, it, it's been an amazing thing to see the church rise up and everybody get involved in, in something that's so important. And I just want to encourage you, it's not over yet. Jerry knows it's not over yet, because <laughs> Jerry's been hauling pallets of water to uh, the police every single day. So really, that's a, we're, we're imploring you, please don't check out. We need volunteers for that. Um, yeah, Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to I share um, something that God's put on my heart just this past week, and uh, let's, let's just jump into it. it we've... How many have felt closer to God during this time of suffering? Has anybody felt closer to God, closer to the Lord? Scripture says that there's a fellowship in suffering. And how many have felt closer to each other because of this? That somehow we're going through, we're sharing the pain with one another and becoming closer through it. There's a fellowship of suffering. But there's also that Paul says, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. There's something that happens when we go through suffering that it unites us, but also God wants to reveal to us the power of the resurrection, the power of miracles. So I want to I talk about that a little bit this morning. Um, let's, let's all uh, pray this morning uh, before we start. God, we just thank you for your word. God, thank you that you're here with us, that you're close to the brokenhearted. But God, you don't want everything to stop in the fellowship of suffering, you want to reveal the power of your resurrection. And 2,000 years ago, you not only died because you loved us, but God, you rose from the dead. And when you rose from the dead, you, dis you put on display the power that you had over sick sickness, death, disease, and Lord, that, that the promise that you have for every single one of our lives for eternal life is good. So Lord, we come before you this morning. We ask that you would speak to us through your word and help us, we pray that you'd lift our faith to believe in the word that you have, in the future that you have for every single one of us, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, 
Amen. Amen. Uh, this past week, I flew my daughter up uh, to drop her off at college. Uh, this is her third year at Whitworth. And um, Zach is not here because he's hunting on Lanai right now. And, uh, and before Zach left, he asked me the question. He said, John, why is it that you take your daughter up for her third year, but Caden, who's going to college for his first year, you just said deuces and let him go up by himself. And he said, if there's any question of who your favorite child is, now that question has been answered. And I, I said, that's not true at all. I love all my children the same. It doesn't matter what happens to Alexis or to Caden. And it's so funny because Caden, he got stuck in this room. And it's one of the rooms that three people have to fit in. And he said that two of his roommates are overweight. And so he had to take the bunk bed because there's literally this much space between the, the bunk and the ceiling. And there's this pipe that <laughs> runs across the top of his bed. So he took a picture. He took a picture of this pipe with duct tape wrapped around the pipe. And he sent it to me. And he said, good night. <laughs> and I, when I drop Alexis off, and Alexis is in this like, you know, nicer place and Whitworth College. And I look at the difference between the two. And it would be very easy to think that I love my daughter more than my son. <laughs> but it's not true. I love both of them the same. It's just Caden can handle it because he's a boy. Anyway. Um, but I think it's so easy to compare. It, it's very easy to compare. Does God love me less than some other person because my situation is different? Like, it seems like I suffer more, so maybe God doesn't, is mad at me, and he loves other people better. And that just is not the case. God loves everyone the same, and there's different things that happen to different people, but God in his sovereignty allows these things, and if we respond in the correct way, God will bring beauty from those ashes, and he will... He will in 2020, hindsight, we'll be able to see his hand on why he allowed certain things to happen if we don't uh, lose faith. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. Um, this story is from John 6, 9, and it's one that has encouraged me during this time. And, um, and most of you know this story. It's the feeding of the 5,000, but this is from John 6, and I'll just read it. Um, After these things, Jesus went over to the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up to the mountain, and there he sat, on his, sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. And when Jesus lifted up his eyes, seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he knew himself what he would do. Philip answered and said, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have even a little bit of bread. One of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, 
So the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, everyone say, give thanks. He distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain, so that nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, this is truly the prophet who has come into this world. Um, one of the reasons why I love this story is because Jesus didn't contract out the bread to some business in town. He looked for a young boy who only had five loaves and two fishes. And when that young boy who only had five loaves and two fishes says, I'll give you what I have, God took that and used that to multiply it to meet a need that was very great. How many of you look at the, our island of Maui and, and see a need that is much greater than what seems that we can contribute to? I, you look at it and you think, this, this is such a monumental need. How can God use us? And the power of the word of God is that it spurs faith that if he can use a boy with five loaves and two fishes to feed thousands of people, it was 5,000 men and many women and children on top of that, that was an example that God can take the small amount that we give him and he can multiply it for his glory and make a big impact with, with what we have. Point number one, um, so this, this um, message is generosity unleashes miracles, but there's a whole bunch of, there's three Gs. There's generosity releases miracles, groups releases miracles, and gratitude releases miracles. So the first point, all of a little is more than a little of much. All of a little is more than a little of much. And um, we briefly shared the story of, you know, we didn't have a lot of money, but we said, God, whatever we have, we're going to give. And then when we gave it, more came. And I'm seeing a pattern that as we step out in faith and do the little that we can, that God will meet that faith and he'll exceedingly and abundantly provide more than what we have. It's our job to, to step out in faith and to give him everything that we have. And when we give him everything that we have, as little as it is, God will multiply it. Um, there's, there's this picture. So um, after we gave out that first round, and we're going to give out another round of money. Um, this guy, Eric West, he found out about it, and he had raised over $800,000, and he said, because I raised, raised so much money and people are targeting me, I want to give it to people who are already giving. And so he wrote a check out to our church for $100,000 this past week. And it's, you can give God a hand for that. That's, and that's, and when it went viral, because he has like 200-something thousand followers on YouTube, lots of other people started giving as well. And so we have enough now to do another round of giving that's much bigger than the first round. And when we stepped out to give the little that we had, God is now multiplying it for us to, to, to meet a need. So amazing what God does. And, and probably 85 to 90% of all the donors are small donors. They're not giving thousands and thousands of dollars. It's just $100 here, $100 there. $500 here, and, and it, it, it's, it's becoming a large amount that we'll be able to bless um, our Lahaina residents with. Um, 
All of a little is more than a little of much. Number two, miracles happen in groups. So after uh, the, the little, the young lad gave his five loaves and two fishes, the second thing that God did, or Jesus did, he says, and he commanded them to make them all sit down by companies upon the green grass, and they sat down in ranks by hundreds and fifties. Um, what I've noticed, and I, you know, I, I've been privileged to grow up in church. I was forced to come to church every single Sunday. If I didn't come to church, I would get spanked. Um, but one of the things that I've witnessed is the power of prayer in groups. And there's, there's so many times that, I, that I've witnessed, like where I'll pray, and I don't see a lot happening with my prayer, but when I get together with other people and pray, that those prayers are answered, especially in a congregation. And so when you get in a group and you, there's a corporate gathering and we worship God together, when we pray together, there's a power in that, that God hears. Um, it's kind of like, I don't know if this is a good analogy, but it's like when your kids gang up on you. You can ignore one kid, but if three or four of them gang up on you and all ask you to go out to eat because they don't want to eat your mom's cooking, uh, I, that's not true. <laughs> but, but when they gang up on you, then uh, it's more likely to concede. And when we corporately, or two or more are gathered, there he is in the midst of them. They can ask anything in his name, and it will be given. And so gathering in small groups is so important. Pastor Norman, one of my mentors when I was in college, he said, your answer to prayer is a small group away. And from college, I made it a practice to always be in a small group, not because of other people, but I jump into small group for myself. Like, I need it. As a pastor, I need a small group of guys around me praying for me that I can be transparent with and say, this is what's going on in my life. Please pray for me. Like, I need that. And every single one of us need the power of groups. Miracles happen in groups. This is, and I shared this story before, but this is just such a cool story. I'm going to share it again for those that you, you didn't hear it. But in the beginning, um, our whole church and people from the community were coming, and, um, and we were trying to get things out to Citizen Church, Sarah's church. She said, we need you know, this much food. We need this much gas. We need this much containers. We loaded truckloads out. We couldn't get it. And... Um, but we got them all packed, ready to go. And then uh, Lahaina opened up, and all this crazy stuff started happening in Lahaina town. And so all the police were taken, and nobody could escort us uh, into, uh, past, into Citizen Church. And so we gathered as a group. And I remember we were all here, and we broke up into small groups. And I said, pray that we can find a way into Lahaina. And so we prayed that God would find a, that we would find a way into Lahaina. And it's like 10 minutes later, 15 minutes later, me and Matt and some other of Matt's friends were in the parking lot. We're like, how are we going to get this stuff out? And nobody could, we were like, well, we can use Matt's boats and Brian's boat to take it out, but we would have to go back and forth like three or four times. And they have huge boats, like 25-foot boats. And, and right as we were having that conversation, Matt said, there's only two boats on the island that can take out this much stuff. It's the Pacific Well Foundation in the trilogy. And as soon as he finished speaking, the captain of the Pacific Well Foundation pulls up into our driveway, into the parking lot, and says, hey, we're going to take a shipment out to Napili. Do you guys have any stuff to take? And we're like, we just prayed for that. And we prayed for it in a group. And we got all that stuff to, called Sarah up and said, Sarah, 
be at the beach at this time, and she brought all her trucks down at that time, and we unloaded it all uh, to be able to stock Citizen Church with what they needed at that time. Miracles happen in groups. Yeah, you can give God a hand for that. Gratitude unleashes power to multiply. So the atmosphere of miracles happens in generosity. And I just want to I, I encourage you, during this time, it's so easy to not be generous because there's so much uncertainty. And we want to prepare for what's ahead. And it, there's a tendency to act in fear and to hoard. And that's not the atmosphere that miracles happen in. The atmosphere that miracles happen in is one of generosity, that when we sacrificially give, that God releases the floodgates of heaven. The number two, miracles happens in groups. Don't get isolated, because this is a time where a lot of people will get isolated because of the way that they feel, the emotions, the anxiety, the worry. It's so easy to just pull back and not meet with other people and share what's going on in your heart. And so don't shrink back into isolation. This is a time to intentionally build relationships and get into groups because miracles happen in groups. Everyone say groups. Then the third thing, the atmosphere of, of miracles is gratitude, being grateful for what we have. Jesus then took the loaves, the five loaves and two fishes, and when he had given thanks, what did he do first? He took the small amount that was given to him this small amount that seemed like it wasn't enough to meet the need. And the first thing that he did was he raised it up and he gave thanks for it. There's something that happens when we, instead of focusing on our lack, we focus on what we have and we begin to thank God for that. And I, I want to encourage you, make this a discipline at the beginning of your day, that the first thing that you do when you get up in the morning is have a list of things to be grateful to God for. And what I found is that God multiplies the things that we're grateful for. If we look at the things that we're grateful for and we thank him for it, he gives us more of the things that we're grateful for. And so Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those that were seated, so also the fish as much as they wanted. So there was a multiplication, a miracle of multiplication, after he gave thanks. Point B God multiplies whatever we, were, we are grateful for, but if we are ungrateful for what we have, we will never have enough. Let me read that again. God multiplies whatever we are grateful for, but if we are ungrateful for what we have, we will never have enough. Does that make sense? Abundance comes from a heart of gratitude. And if you're a parent, you understand this, right? That when you give something to your child and your child is like, wow, dad, thank you so much for giving me, like my daughter, she's like, I always talk about my daughter, but she's, she, <laughs> she's not my favorite child. <laughs> but she, she got a cavity and she has a very good job. So I told her, you pay for your own cavity. And, and then she started like getting all upset, like, no child pays for their own cavity. You're my parent. You should be paying for me. And you know, she's you know, she's, how many of you parents would ever make your kid pay for their own cavity? No. <laughs> okay, good. There's some of you. <laughs> I don't feel like such a bad parent. Um, but 
honestly, she has more money than she needs. So I, I told her, you pay for her own cavity. And then she started, because she loves to argue with me, right? And, and then she had a total change of heart. I don't know what brought it on, but she was like, you know what? God's blessed me so much. Thank you for paying for my rent. Thank you for paying for all these other things, my groceries. I'd be happy to pay for my cavity. And I was like, oh, I'll pay for your cavity. <laughs> it just made me want to pay for her cavity. And I don't know if that was her, like her tactic. Like she was doing brain ninja stuff on me. But it worked, yeah. <laughs> but when we're grateful for what God gives us, there's something I believe that spurs in his heart where he just wants to open up the windows of blessing and pour more out on our lives. And when we are ungrateful and we're like, God, I want this. God, I want that. God, how come we don't have this? God, how come we don't have that? That, that doesn't release the blessings of heaven on our lives. And neither is it good for our mental state. And when you wake up in the morning, there's so many things to be grateful for. And there's five things that, that uh, I want to give you to be grateful for. It's not in your notes. But spiritually, what are you grateful for spiritually? God, thank you so much that I belong to your family, that I'm your child, that you died for my sin, that you love me enough that you spared not your only son, and that I can be with you forever, that even though things are happening on this earth, I have a secure place in heaven for eternity. Thank you for that. Spiritually, number two, relationally, what do we have to be relationally grateful for? We have our family, our friends, our relatives, people that are blessings in our lives, and even people that are not blessings in our lives because they strengthen your character. How many of you have, like, you know, the nose hair people in your life that constantly irritate you? <laughs> that they're that constant irritation, right? But they keep the dirt from going in your lungs. You need those irritating people in your life. Relational. Thank God for relationally. Number three, physically. What do you have to be thankful for physically? You know, I was driving down, um, uh, I forgot what road it is. I don't know the name of it. It's that road that goes past the Mormon church, Keolani, you know, that parkway. Yeah, I was driving down that road, and I was just, like, thinking, like, man, Everything that's happening in Lahaina and Maui, this is like so messed up and like oh, just people lost their houses and people lost this and like just weighing on me. And I see this lady and she's in this wheelchair and she's like pushing herself up the hill. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I would gladly, you know, lose some physical possessions than be handicapped in a wheelchair. And I, it, I just switch my tune, and I'm like, God, thank you so much that I have two legs that I can walk around, and I'm strong and able and balding. <laughs> no, that just came into my head, because my daughter, she always, uh, my daughter Paige, she always points that out. Anyway, physically, um, what do you have to be physically grateful for? Mentally, what are the skill sets and experiences that God has given you that you can take those things and, and, and do something with those things. And then lastly, materially. What are the, the material blessings that God has put in your life? And all of us have so much to be grateful for. And when we are grateful for those things, then we get more of what we're grateful for. Amen? And then the last thing, miracles. The whole reason why we want to see miracles and the reason why God shows us miracles 
is because it confirms who Jesus is. It's not just about the miracle itself. If it was about the miracle itself, then he would raise everybody from the dead. If it was just about the miracle itself, then there would be nobody that's sick. There are certain things in this world, Jesus himself said, in this life you will have suffering, you will have trials. But then he said, be of good cheer. Why? Because he has overcome the world. And he will show you miracles, and he will show you his goodness, because it verifies that everything that he said is true. Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me because you ate uh, your fill of the loaves. This is after he multiplied the bread. But then he said to them, I am the bread of life, and whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. He didn't multiply the bread so that he could continue multiplying the bread forever. He did it as a miracle so that people would believe in him. Miracles are the sign that Jesus gives us that he is the son of God and that all his promises are true. He wants us to know the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. So this morning, um, we want to close by partaking of communion together. If you take your communion elements this morning. I'm going to read from Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. And then we're going to take communion and then close uh, in a song this morning. But what things were gained to me, this is Paul saying, this is Paul writing, what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed I, count, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness which is from the law, but that which is from faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God, by faith, that I may know him, the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. One thing that ministered to me this past week um, was a phrase that I heard by uh, Joseph Prince, and he said that if guilt, if that guilt cannot be in two places at the same time. And that if we are carrying guilt, that means that God is not, that Jesus is not. And if Jesus is carrying our guilt, that means that we are not. And in all of our lives, there's, a, there's regrets, there's different things that we've done that we can hold on to the past and we can hold on to guilt and shame. One of the things with communion is he said that he bore on himself our sin and our shame, our sin and our guilt. And if our guilt is on him, then it's no longer on us. If it's on us, then it's not on him. So when we take communion, there's an exchange that's happening. We're giving Jesus our guilt. The reason why he died was to be that guilt offering that, that the Old Testament talks about. There's a guilt offering it's not just a sin offering, but there's a trespass offering, there's a guilt offering that Jesus takes upon himself 
our guilt and our shame. And so how many of you are willing to give Jesus your guilt? You know, sometimes we feel we deserve to feel guilty for things that we've done. And, and we do deserve to feel guilty. But what Jesus did when he died was he said, I want to take that from you. I am the guilt offering. And one of the things that happens with a guilt offering, somebody who takes guilt, is they are obligated to pay back what they have offended. And Jesus, in Psalms 69, in Psalm 69, there's a prophetic word, and David is speaking as Christ, and he says, I had to pay back for a trespass that I did not commit. And when Jesus takes on your guilt, he not only takes on your guilt, but he also takes upon himself the consequence of that guilt. And he pays back the thing that you were obligated to pay back. It's a powerful thing, the cross. And I don't think that we understand everything about it, but, but I'm glad that he, he did it for us. Amen. Can I just say one more thing about guilt? Guilt has no redemptive power. Judas hung himself. Why did he hang himself? Because he felt guilty. And in scripture it says it's better that he was never born. So he felt so guilty he hung himself, but it had no redemptive power. Sometimes we feel like if we feel guilty, that God will see how bad we feel and that will have some sort of redemptive power. But the redemptive power is in the cross. The redemptive power is in faith in what Jesus Christ has done for us, that he took upon himself our sin, on himself our guilt, on himself our shame. Amen? Amen. How many of you are grateful for the cross? Amen. God, we come before you. We thank you, Lord, for your broken body. You can take out the, the bread this morning. God, we thank you for your broken body that you said that by your stripes that we've been healed. And Lord, that, that all the iniquity has been laid upon you through your broken body. And Lord, this morning, even as you broke the bread and you fed it to the multitudes and you said that you are the bread and your body was broken so that we could have life, so that you could bring life to the multitudes, God, we remember your sacrifice and we take the bread this morning and we receive your healing in Jesus' name. You can take the bread. And God, we thank you, Lord, for your blood that was shed. Your blood that's so powerful that it forgives our sin, not just our sin, but the guilt of our sin and the shame of our sin. And that through your blood that you've taken upon yourself even the payment of that guilt. And so, Lord, as we take communion this morning, we thank you, Lord, that your blood is so powerful that it washes us clean and that the consequences that we deserve that you took upon yourself and in, in, in place of our guilt and shame, you've given us your robes of righteousness. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Can you take the... Could you just repeat this prayer with me? Say, dear Jesus, dear Jesus 
Thank you for your, thank you for the cross. Thank you that you died for my sin. And thank you that your promise is that if I accept your forgiveness, that you promise me eternal life. And that your promises are not just for eternity, but it's for this life now. Help me to be like you. Help me to be generous. Help me to have gratitude. And help me to build relationships in my life with your people so that I can see the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of your suffering. I love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's close singing how great our God is. Would you rise with me and let's sing this song together. Oh Lord my God When I in awesome wonder 